you know, are you going to stop your life and stop living because these situations occur that get blown up all over the news um, and really statistically they're minimal. I mean, it's the same thing like going on a plane. You know, obviously plane crashes happen, but statistically so minimally compared to the number of planes that take off that are you never going to fly? This week, Dr. Karen Sherman and I discuss anxiety, dealing with irrational fears, coming to grips with the lizard brain in a modern society, and much more. Stay tuned. We all live busy, busy lives, and finding time to reconnect can be a big pain, which is why we created the Hitched Wine Club, the only wine club for couples. What does that mean? That means not only do you get amazing wine delivered to your door or office, but you also get exclusive date ideas within each shipment. There are no membership fees. We offer 100% guarantee on every bottle. We have free shipping on all of the wine club levels, and we have different levels for different price points. And we work with more than 300 different wine clubs. So it's almost like you join 300 for the price of one. And many of these wines you can't get anywhere else other than the winery or their exclusive wine club. So go to hitchmag.com, click the wine club link, and see how we can give you back just a little small piece of time to reconnect and hopefully inspire you to do more. Again, that's hitchmag.com. Click the wine club link on the homepage to learn more. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the always fantastic, the original, <laughs> Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Oh, flattery will get you everywhere, Steve. I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, so, uh, Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Uh, Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Karen has her own radio show on the Sex Talk Radio Network called Take five to empower your relationship. And in just five minutes, Karen will present a real relationship issue, tell you what's behind it and how to resolve it, uh, much like we were going going to do today. Um, and I want to shout out to the to the website too, uh, drkarensherman.com. So you can find all the information there. Uh, today's topic, which we will hopefully help resolve or at least shed some light on, is dealing with anxiety. Um, you know, I... A couple things have come up. Uh, we record this stuff ahead of time, as most people know if they've listened to this podcast uh, for any length of time. And uh, the Olympics are going on as we record this. And I, as a competitor myself, not at that level, obviously, but as an athletic competitor myself, like I know I struggled with anxiety competing. And I am amazed with how composed... Uh, these athletes are, or at least how well they're able to hide it or overcome it or whatever it might be as they get up to perform on the biggest stage in the world. And it just got me thinking about, uh, you know, anxiety and life and, and dealing with things and how um, anxiety can can take over a person's life. And it's a major issue uh uh, in uh, in our society, but I, I believe around the world, and 
I thought it would be a good opportunity to dig into it a little bit, Karen, um, and you can offer some professional insight on this topic. So with that being said, uh, you know, I, I realize that we have all these emotions and all these emotions are there for a reason. And I know it's one thing to be worried about something, but it's another thing to be anxious. Now, first and foremost, is, is anxiety a healthy emotion? You're going to love it. It depends. <laughs> no, yeah. it, it's important to be anxious uh, for certain things uh, because it uh, serves to protect us. So um, if you're going into, let's say, a country where there's been uh, a lot of terrorism recently, you would want to have a little anxiety because it would make you be more careful about where you're going, let's say. Mm-hmm. You don't want it to impede you and stop your life, but there are times where anxiety is healthy and appropriate uh, because it alerts you to possible dangers. Uh, so yes, it is important to be anxious at times. So it kind of goes back to the I mean, is this part of that reptilian, you know, yes. fight or flight type stuff where we mm-hmm. are innately born with this stuff? Okay, so I I find this stuff interesting too because we have this like reptilian brain thing that we talk about, um, but we live in a modern society where we don't have to worry about a, you know, some wild animal hunting us down from behind as we take a walk down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, so how much anxiety is okay? And and I think you kind of tipped your hat to it a little bit just a minute ago. Well, I think that, you know, it's appropriate to have um, anxiety or concern where there is real uh, possibility of danger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, however, when you start to be anxious over everything um, all the time, you know, one of the ways that we assess if somebody is, quote, classif- you know, classified with an anxiety disorder is we look at markers like, is it interfering with your day-to-day activities? Um, is it excessive? Uh, is it um, getting in the way of you being able to concentrate, being able, is it stopping you from doing day-to-day activities? So, you know, when it really is interfering, then it's not appropriate. Um, and, and it's a hard thing to call. I mean, I know some people who are anxious and they will say to you, well, it's not bothering anybody else. It's just interfering with my life. But that's still is not appropriate because if it really is getting in the way of your being able to relax, to enjoy, to be present, then it is too much. Okay. And and I, I guess one of the things that you see, I see, um, is some – like none of this stuff is static. Um, it's, it's constantly changing and moving in people's lives change and mm-hmm. uh things happen so is there is th- is this something that changes over time for a person so um you weren't really anxious and then you had kids and now you worry all the time yes i th- i think that at different times in one's life different things might make you anxious um obviously you have different personality types there are some people let's use the example you just gave about kids there are going to be some people who are very laid back and don't get as upset as another person. On the other hand, you might have been somebody who really didn't have a lot of anxiety, but now since you have children and you realize that, especially in today's world, there are lots of things that 
could potentially be dangerous, you have a heightened anxiety that you never had before. Um, I've also heard people say that as they get older, they have anxieties that they never had before. So I think you are correct in saying that it's not a static thing, that um, what may upset you or may not have upset you at one point in your life now is more disconcerting. On the other hand, it can work the other way as well, that you are able to let things go. And what used to get you really fraught and upset now isn't something that bothered you so much. So yes, it absolutely can change from time to time. Okay. And uh, and going, continuing on this stream of thought here, uh, are there other um, peaks and valleys that kind of I guess I want to bring these up because I want to make people aware that this is something that is, um, I don't want to call it systematic or cyclical, but it's something that's not abnormal. So for example, I mentioned the kids thing. Are there other times in life where you see couples, um, maybe the, the level of anxiety increases slightly and that's they should understand that that's just kind of what happens for a lot of people yes well i think that anytime there's change and i think that there's any time that you are not a hundred percent sure and, and really the truth of the matter is how can we ever be a hundred percent sure of anything sure. but, um where we don't feel totally in control or we don't know exactly what's going to happen those are the kinds of things that are going to add to our stress and we know that stress leads to anxiety okay. stress can bring on both anxiety and depression so with that being said if you have, you're going to make a move, that's going to possibly create anxiety. You don't know exactly what's going to be involved, where you move, you know, what, what the new neighborhood is going to be like, who the new people are going to be like, you know, all sorts of things happen when you move. Mm-hmm. Um, when you reach different milestones in your age, um, a lot of people get anxious about that. Um, you know, just what is it like to be that age and what does it mean for me at that point in my life? Um, certainly retirement is fraught for many people with a lot of anxiety. Um, what does it mean to no longer be a working quote, useful individual. A lot of mm-hmm. people who retire f- will say, I don't feel like I'm useful anymore. Well, a lot of people to that point identify themselves as that career or Correct. job. Like, I am a such and such. Right, right. So if I'm no longer that such and such, then what am I? Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so that becomes very scary. Um, certainly, if one spouse uh, dies... That's going to be, aside from grieving and depressing, that's going to be anxiety-provoking because you're in a totally different role now. You mm-hmm. know, you're you're a single person again. Um, if one person uh, loses their job, um, you know, that is going to have lots and lots of anxiety. So, I think that people have to understand that it is normal that in life we have ups and downs. Um, and that it's not to say that everybody is going to hit these challenges with the same amount of stress and the same amount of concern and anxiety, mm-hmm. but that if it happens, it is not out of the norm. 
It doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. And I think the best thing to do is to not get thrown by it. Because I think the more that you get upset with yourself and think, oh my goodness, what's wrong with me or what's wrong with my partner, that makes it more difficult. I think that if you say, you know, look, it, it, it really is quite understandable that I would feel anxious, you know, that this is something I have to adjust to. And again, you know, to deal with your feelings and to talk about it with your partner, that will make it go a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you were talking about all this stuff, the word that kept popping into my head was uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Uncertainty about the future. Yes. And and as we know, like you mentioned it, we can never be 100% certain about anything, but when you have these things uh, are so blatantly uncertain, it makes it kind of understandable why somebody would be anxious about that uncertainty. Of course. You know? Of course. You don't know. That's what I'm saying. It's natural. Yeah. You know, and I think that if you can accept that it's natural, it will make it easier. I think if you fight it or get upset with yourself or your partner, that that is going to make it much more difficult. Yeah. So let's, uh, I want to talk about solutions here. And when we are talking, you know, our listeners are essentially couples. Um, and there are certain things that they will go through. So they will have kids. And so one parent might become that anxious parent and that might start causing a rift or retirement might come up and one person might feel really uncertain about what the future holds and it makes them anxious there. So what can couples do? What can individuals do to help with anxiety when they do butt up against some of these milestones in their life? Okay, so like with any emotion, um, the way that it is most helpful to calm that emotion down is to listen to it and to validate it. If you minimize it, if you poo-poo it, if you try to do tough love and just say, you know, oh, get over it, it's not a big deal, then it's only going to heighten it. So you're better off, you know, listening to it, understanding it. Try to see it from their perspective. You don't have to feel it. You don't have to experience it. You don't have to join in on it. But to say, okay, you know, I understand it and allow the person to explain to you what they're feeling. Here's where it starts to get a little bit dicey. Okay. If the person who's experiencing the anxiety has too much anxiety, if they start to obsess about it, if they go on and on and on and they can't let go of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I think it's fair at that point for the mate to to say, look, I know that this is something that, you know, really upsets you. I hear your concern. But the truth of the matter is that, you know, you've gone over this over and over and over again. I mean, you can try to problem solve it, look at some of the possible solutions. But at some point, you've got to also be able to say this concern, this constant worry is not going to resolve the issue. Mm-hmm. And we have to find some methods to really block these thoughts. And there are there are techniques to block thoughts because we know that the more that you focus on something, the more it grows. So you're you're sort of giving more energy to it and then that's going to increase it. So after a certain point, I think it's perfectly fine to say, look, I've heard you. I know this concerns you. We've talked about solutions. But at this point, we have to really work on not 
continuing to focus on it because it's not getting us anywhere. Mm. And what it's doing is it's starting to interfere with our relationship. Okay. Because I'm, I, so I'm thinking of, I'm trying to think of a good example of something that would make sense to be anxious about, but possibly irrational for the moment. I'm trying to be sensitive I'll about give this. You so, a good example. I, so I have oh, I have one and you let okay. me know if this is out of and okay. then when we, we can hear yours. Um okay, so the one I'm thinking of is your kid starts going off to school and one parent wants to let them walk to school alone or walk to school with friends or whatever mm-hmm. and the other parent is like no. I'm afraid of them getting kidnapped or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you can look at crime statistics and see that there hasn't been a kidnapping in that neighborhood, you know, in 50 years or maybe ever, like mm-hmm. it just does not happen. It's totally rational to have a fear of your kid getting kidnapped. I totally get that, but it's irrational to think that it's going to happen. It's well, let me let me rephrase that. It's statistically extraordinarily unlikely that it will happen mm-hmm. How, like I understand why a parent would be fearful of their kid getting kidnapped on their way to school but when you put it up against statistics like it's never happened here not one time since this neighborhood's been erected yeah that's that's a difficult one that you're bringing up because this is fraught with emotion mm-hmm. and my guess would be somebody who has that concern is going to answer but there's always a first time and do you want it on your conscience if you insisted that I let our child walk to school and our child was the first time? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I think the, the example that you're giving is a difficult one. And my guess would be that for this particular example, we might want to look at where do some of those fears come from? because it may be that there's some background to this as to why there's such a fear, why there's such a concern, having more to do with certain of their own insecurities, of not feeling safe, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not a simplistic thing of, well, statistically, there's never been a kidnapping in this area for the last 20 years, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I mean, is this go to something and... and um you know, we're in like a heated political season and all that stuff. And we see, and this happens all the time. I'm not trying to pin it on any one individual, but we constantly see uh, the stoking of fear as a method of controlling people's thoughts and and actions. So for example, again, since we're looking at the Olympics, I was reading a story the other day that they blew up a unidentified device um, that they considered a bomb threat. Well, that unidentified device happened to be somebody it was a construction worker's toolbox that he left on the site on accident Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's understandable again it's understandable like we are in this heightened sense of security Mm -hmm. um but in any other time somebody would walk by and be like that's a toolbox Mm -hmm. they're doing construction it makes total total sense right um so is there something to be said about the information that you consume um where there might not be like I guess how I guess what I'm getting at is like how do you weigh the level of preparation versus um, overdoing it to the point where you're blowing up inanimate objects out of fear and I'm not I'm trying to take put blame on anybody that was protecting the Olympic Village or anything but just in general when we start having these irrational fears about things because we just hear this horrible crap all the time and particularly when you we live in this and we talk about it a lot now 
this world of social media and online news and push notifications where anything bad in the entire world happens, it gets pushed to our phone in an alert. Mm-hmm. And we think, holy crap, the sky is on fire. I hope my kid gets to be the age of 40 mm-hmm. because it doesn't look like it's going that way. Right. But when you look at the meta information, it's like, oh, we're actually safer, peace, more right, peaceful right. than any time in history. Right. Uh, right. But it doesn't feel that way. So where, how does that all play into this? This is such a tough topic, Steve. Um, you know, because, ha- you know, you, you do hear about many times with the craziness of the way terrorists are acting these days where something simple really turns out to be problematic you Mm -hmm. know and i will share with you i am not a person who gets impacted by the media uh right after 9 11 i got on a plane and flew and my basic feeling was i'm not going to allow my life to be dictated by fear and by the way, I, should, I want to point out that you are based in New York. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Okay, thank you. I think that's an important point. Um, and yet, recently, uh, my husband and I went to Penn Station. We live on Long Island, and we went into Penn Station, and we didn't have a lot of time for dinner, so we just grabbed a slice of pizza in one of the restaurants in Penn Station. And for the first time ever... I thought, and this was after a recent terrorist attack mm-hmm. um, in France, mm-hmm. I thought to myself, oh my God, we're sitting in an open restaurant in a very public place. Who's to say somebody couldn't come in and just do something crazy? And mm-hmm. I've never had a thought like that. And again, I'm not the kind of person who thinks like that. So I think unfortunately, um, when it comes to that whole area of fear, um, you know, again, the way that terrorists are working these days is with such simplistic objects that you see a toolbox left alone, and unfortunately, that that could be a possibility, so you Mm -hmm. do have to report it. Um, I think the example I want to give might be a little bit more to in keeping with what we're discussing today okay okay uh so my husband and i are moving um we're still going to be in new york but we're moving and he tends to be a real detail person and i'm much more of a broad stroke person and it's a very nice balance between the two of us except that with this move he has been obsessing over the most detailed minutiae but not only that it's to the point that it's good because he looks at all these little details that I wouldn't care about and then I'll regret later Mm -hmm. but over and over and over again and I finally had to say to him you really have to stop because it'll get taken care of. I mean, he would he would call the agent and he would talk and he would bring it up again with other people. You know, he would just keep going over it and over. And I finally said, you have to stop this because you've discussed it. It's being taken care of. It's starting to really interfere with our dinners because you keep talking about this. It's not going to make any difference. You know, so that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Okay. okay. And that's where his anxiety was really starting to interfere. And I love him dearly. Today's our <laughs> first anniversary. Oh, how, wait, which one? 41. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So, 
except by the time this airs, it won't be my anniversary anymore. But, but to my, you know, to the point, I mean, I think that's a good example where his anxiety is getting the better part of him and it's not serving. Okay. The example you're giving, in fact, unfortunately in this world, it might serve. You know, if you see something, say something. Unfortunately, in this world, it might serve. Well, not, I mean, the toolbox. Like I said, I, I I understand that, and I and I realize that also, it is relative to recent events and things. But but going back to the kidnapping thing, yeah. Um, you know, I think there's, I I am a safety person. Like I believe in being smart and safe and and, and those types of things. Um, but I also am aware that we can be crippled um by irrational fears of course not, we can and you know like it's it's kind of like uh, like i i grew up um uh, um in a beach city going in the water every every single day during the summer mm-hmm. um there are tens of thousands hundreds of thousands million i don't know sharks in those waters mhm the likelihood of me getting bitten by a shark is basically zero. There had never been a shark attack in my city ever. Mm-hmm. Um, now, does that mean I should? You know, I know people who are terrified to go into that water. They can't see the bottom. Nope, they're afraid of a shark attack. Mm-hmm. It's completely. I mean, again, it's rational. There are sharks in the water. It's statistically not just unlikely, but almost improbable. Mm-hmm. So where, like, where? How do you how do you tackle those types of? Yeah, it's it's a rational fear because something could happen. Yes, a kid could be kidnapped. Yes, you could be bitten by a shark. But the likelihood of that happening are so minor. You are now missing out on yes. life because yes. of it. I agree with you. I agree with you. And I think you know, it's just that when you talk about kids, it touches it. A different kind of emotion. Of course, you could say the kids shouldn't go into the beach also. Um, and, and all I was saying to you is that I think that the person who has the fear when it comes to kids, it's going to be really hard to be rational with them because that emotion is just so um, intense and irrational, which emotions are. And that's why I said you might have to look underneath what is that fear is it really related to something within them about their own security, their own sense of safety? But I do think that you have to, as you said, look at what is the reality, you know, what is the likelihood? You know, are you going to stop your life and stop living because these situations occur that get blown up all over the news mm-hmm. um, and really statistically they're minimal i mean it's the same thing like going on a plane yeah you know obviously plane crashes happen but statistically so minimally compared to the number of planes that take off that are you never going to fly and it's interesting too because to that point you're more likely to uh perish in a car accident than you are a plane crash but nobody seems to have the 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 fear I mean, I'm, I know some people do, but the fear of getting in a car for most people isn't the same as getting into a plane. Correct. Correct. Which, you know, because again, emotions are irrational. Yeah. And so um, I, I don't want to hit, you know, go on too much longer. But um, so when you are dealing with one of these situations where the emotion is totally irrational and you're struggling to have some sort of a breakthrough, 
is this something that you can, and you talked about digging into what are the emotions behind it. Is this something that you and your spouse can resolve together just by thoughtful conversation and, and, and being focused on it? Or is this something where you feel like this is going to be a real struggle for most people? So if this has become a, a real issue in your relationship, you really should seek professional help. Well, again, it's going to depend on to what degree has the anxiety occurred. If it's, you know, a little bit out of hand, having a good talk and trying to be rational may be enough to do it. If the person really just can't stop it, then probably, yes, professional help would be of use. Okay. Uh, You know, because I, again, one of the reasons we exist is to help people uh, not let their relationship just get chipped away by small things over time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this could just be one thing on top of a greater swath of things that somebody becomes annoyed with and eventually fed up with. And so taking care of these little things, I think, is important, um, particularly if it's, you know, like I uh, I am a person who wants to be like the greatest married person of all time. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like when something's wrong, like I want to address it. I want to, I want to get at it. So I, I hope that if there's something like this is going on, you know, maybe start by having your spouse listen to this podcast and maybe this will help um, change their perspective on addressing these issues or something. Um, and then, you know, you listening to this will know how best to approach it from there. But uh, hopefully this, this helps in some manner. Any final thoughts? No, um, what I do, the well, yes, I do have one final thought. <laughs> um, many times, somebody who has a high degree of anxiety, where we might call it an anxiety disorder, has a biological basis, and again, the person can't help it. So, I do want the uh, spouses to know that I get your uh, frustration in dealing with a partner who has an anxiety disorder can it, because it can be really frustrating for mm-hmm. you. Uh, but try to show some compassion because, again, especially if it is a, a biologically based anxiety, it's not something they can help. However, um, my feeling is with everybody, um, if you have a concern, uh, that's okay as long as you're willing to do something to get some help. So if there is this high amount of anxiety. There is help available. Uh, encourage, in a compassionate, loving way, encourage your mate to go get some help because it's not fun being anxious either. It's yeah. a very um, uncomfortable feeling being anxious. Now, when you say it's a bio- it can be a biological thing, is this something where you... Um, where a pharmaceutical remedy is in hand or is this something where... If you're able to change your thoughts, you can change your biology. Combination. Okay. Combination. Uh, For some people, meditation might be helpful. Mm -hmm. Uh, For some people, it can be with the use of some medication. Um, There's there's a whole bunch of different things that can be of use. Uh, But the point is that that help is available. Okay. And um, again the person who's feeling the anxiety is not having any fun with it either. It's, it's quite uncomfortable. Yeah. So I think that's a great point too. If your spouse is the, if you are struggling because your spouse is the one that is expressing all this anxiety, have some empathy and compassion for that person because 
you know, nobody wants to feel that way. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, that's a great point. Um, all right. Well, we will uh, we will button it up there. So thank you so much, Karen. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Steve. And I want to remind everyone that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. She has been happily married for 41. Happy anniversary. Thank Uh, you. uh, Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life, the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Uh, Karen has her own show on the Sex Talk Radio Network out each Wednesday called Take 5 to Empower Your Relationship. And you can get this information at her website, drkarensherman.com. And of course, we have a link to her website on hitchedmag.com, and uh, where you can also find past episodes, uh, give us a rating, give us feedback. Um, we are on Stitcher and iTunes. Um, we are also on uh, the Android CarPlay, I believe now, which is kind of cool. So if you want to listen to this in your car and your car has that function, check that out. Um, so yeah, so thank you everyone for tuning in. And And to you, Karen, one last time, thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. All right. Take care, everybody.